0: I actually was planning on, kind of forgot that, uh, that Lon would have likely made a mention, I was going to introduce myself as uh, your pastor, Rusty Hildebrand, and you would have said, wow, have you aged in one week? <laughs> um, but, uh, but you already know that Rusty is not here this morning. Um, he called me, uh, well, he actually sent me a text while I was out cutting some lumber, some wood uh, out in the Harris pasture, uh, trying to help out. We had a whole bunch of people doing, uh, putting up some wood for, uh, for Andrew and Patty for their furnace for the winter. And he uh, contacted me and said, Howard, I'm not feeling too good. Uh, would you consider stepping in? He said, I'll let you know later this evening. So I was praying, of course, uh, Lord, what would you have me to say? But above everything, make him better so that I don't have to go through this decision. But uh, he let me know in the evening that uh, he just was not feeling well enough to be able to do it. I actually consider it a privilege to be able to share with you um, an opportunity to be able to share with you uh, today. You know, we're going through uh, some time that I think we're all just kind of focused on what's going on in Israel today, and um, it's uh, concerning uh, what's happening. And I think we're all um, we're all kind of drawn back. At least I've had comments with a number of believers have of course made a reference back to Israel being God's people and everything that's going on there and the question is you know what does this mean where's everything going all of that it's uh, it's a question that brings us back to some very important truths I think of God's word and that's kind of what I'd like to address this morning. Um, I think, uh, of course, God planned a long, long time ago that he was going to choose people, his own people, who would become his mouthpiece to the whole world. God's plan from the beginning was not just to choose a group of people who would be different through the whole time of the history of mankind. There are some people who believe that, that that's really what God, God would just say, forget all those other people, I just want to have a group. That's That's not the teaching of Scripture at all. The teaching of Scripture is that God, his heart beats for the world. Every individual, no matter where they're born, no matter what they adhere to now, are made in the image of God and very important to him. And when Jesus died on that cross, he had every person in mind. Not just Howard Moore, every person in mind. God started off in 2000 BC with a plan that he revealed. Now, he had this plan before creation, but he revealed this plan to a man, Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to give you a family. He had no children. I'm going to give you a family and that family will become large. I will bless them. And I'm going to give them a place where they will live. I'm going to bless them with the land, a special place for them. But my blessing on them is simply a channel for the blessing, divine blessing for the whole world. That was God's plan, and he mentioned it to Abraham over 3,000 years ago, and he's still on that plan. So the events that we see right now unfolding, as disturbing as they are because of the effect that it's having on so many different people, is still within God's plan. Sometimes we may not understand how it fits in, and it's not to us to know the details. But God has a plan and he's still working out his plan. And that's why it's really important, I think, for us to be praying that peace will come to the area, because in many in, in the New Testament, Paul actually prays that we might have peace so that the gospel will spread. So I think that could be our prayer. But above everything, praying that no matter which side one individual is in Israel, they will come to the Prince of Peace. That's going to be the heart of it all, coming to the Prince of Peace. And God has called the church, the people of God today, to be on His plan and to be part of His plan. But it means taking risks. It means being courageous, stepping out. What I would like to do today is to direct you to a study of an example of how God uses a group of people to make a tremendous impact in that known world. So we're going to go to the book of Acts. Now, because of the fact that I came on board here to preach this message uh, late in the game, I'm actually not going to have the text of the scriptures up there on the screen for you. So I'm going to ask if you could use your personal screen, if you have a personal screen with a Bible, or if you have a physical Bible and you follow along with me. Now it's a story that's found in the book of Acts, and we're going to start in Acts chapter uh, 11. Acts chapter 11, and we're actually going to follow through. We're not going to deal with every verse, but Acts chapter 11, and we're going to go all the way to Acts chapter 13. So it's really just two chapters that we're going to go through and and just emphasize certain parts of it. Now, to give a little bit of context, what I'd like you to do is to kind of place your mind back at that particular time. Just remember, let's go back to the story of when Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He rose up from the grave. And then a little time later, he rose up from the earth. He ascended back to the Father. When he left, that's when what we call the church Started because when he left, he promised his Holy Spirit to come, who is the other comforter, the other advocate, the other paraclete, someone who, in some ways, we would say replaces him while he was physically present on earth. He would be with his followers. And so we have this day of Pentecost when it all started. Now that happened in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem in, this, in the area of Israel. The church began, and you can read the early verses of the book of Acts where it talks about the church being established. People coming to put their faith and trust in Jesus And then what happened as a group where they were sharing things in common, they were encouraging each other, they were singing, no doubt, about the goodness of God, just like we did this morning. And they were praising God together. But then God did something that some people would say, oh, why would he do that? He brought persecution on that church and so that church was having a lot of good times together. But God said, you know what? That's going to have to break up. Because my plan is that my people would be my representatives. And my goal is the whole earth, blessing for the whole earth. So we started with persecution. The persecution got so intense. That actually the people were forced out of Jerusalem. It says that they all went except for the apostles. Now that's interesting. The apostles didn't go because God had a plan for the whole church and he uses every individual in the church. So this is where we start in verse 19. Acts chapter 11 verse 19. Just let me read. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, they traveled as far as Phoenicia. Now, Phoenicia was an area just north of Israel. So they moved up the north on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea, if some of you can visualize that on a map. It says that they went to Phoenicia. They went to Cyprus. Cyprus was an island in the Mediterranean Sea, again to the north of Israel, and just oh to the west as well. And then they came to a place called Antioch. And Antioch is found in Syria. And of course, Syria still exists today. But this was an area that would not be classified as part of the nation of Israel. But when they go there... Notice what it says at the, verse, at the end of verse 19. Spreading the word only among the Jews. You see, what had happened was when the church began and the message was uh, embraced by the people at, at the day of Pentecost, many of them still had in the back of their mind is that it was actually the Jews. It was actually Israel that was the sole benefit of the blessing of God. Even though Jesus had, he tried to tell his disciples that that was not the case. Not only did he say it in some words, he actually demonstrated that during the time he was on earth, he actually ministered to people who were not Jews. But they were people who had faith in him and he would even say how wonderful it was that these people had faith and he would respond to them. But it seems like the early believers, for the most part, were focusing on ministering the gospel, sharing the gospel with those that were Jews. And that was the case. They did it in Antioch because there were some Jews living in Antioch. So they came into Antioch and they were sharing the good news with the Jews. But notice what happened in verse 20. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus, in other words, they had come from Cyprus and were in Antioch, and Cyrene, they went to Antioch, and they began to speak to the Greeks also. Now, that word Greek there, um, if somebody belonged to the Greek Empire, the Greek Empire that was before the Roman Empire, uh, that would mean that they would speak Greek. So we don't know whether these were people directly from uh, Greece itself or whether they were just people who spoke Greek. But basically what the book seems to be emphasizing is that some people crossed that racial barrier, crossed that language barrier, and began speaking to people who were not Jews. Now, I have to say, this is likely for the average believer, this is at least the first time we see a record of that happening. Now, there were certain occasions already, there are certain occasions in the book of Acts already, where God specifically spoke to an individual believer and told him to cross that barrier. But this is the first time where, out of a group of believers like this, they cross over that line. Now, I can imagine there'd be some people who were there who say, uh uh, you shouldn't do that. You're wasting your time. They're not part of the group, they're not the audience. Oh, yes, they are. Because look how God responds. It says there again that they were telling the Greeks the good news about the Lord Jesus. And do you know the response? The Lord's hand was with them. The Lord didn't say, stop! You shouldn't be talking to these people. It says the Lord's hand was with them, enabling them to do it. It had the blessing of the Lord. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, we're so far away from this, it doesn't touch us in that way. But that was revolutionary. That was absolutely revolutionary. And I can imagine people would come, maybe they met on the Lord's Day, a Sunday morning, just like we're doing. And instead of there just being a group of former Jews, or there still were Jews, but Jews who now believed in Jesus the Messiah, and they were worshiping the Messiah, Instead of there just being a group of Jews, now there were non-Jews sitting side by side, worshiping the same God, celebrating the same salvation in Jesus. That was revolutionary. So revolutionary that it hit the news. Now, it wasn't CNN, uh, but it hit the news. And we go on and look at verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. Now the church in Jerusalem was actually a smaller church now from what we can understand because persecution had driven a lot of people away from that church. But maybe more were coming to Christ as well. So maybe they were back up to the the same size. We don't really know for sure. But news of what was going on in Antioch came back to the church in Jerusalem, and after all, that church would be regarded as the mother church because that's where the church started. So what did they do? They sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now, we don't know a lot about Barnabas before this time, but we do know that his name means son of encouragement. So that was likely a good guy to send because when he gets here, you see what he is, what he does. He is an encouragement. And it says here, and when he arrived in Antioch and he saw what the grace of God had done, ah, he acknowledged it as being the grace of God. He was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Not a surprise if he is a guy known as being a great encouragement that he would go ahead and encourage people because he saw that this was the work of God. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and it says, and a great number were brought to the Lord. This is pretty exciting news. The church now, like I said, had these, the mixture of these different ethnic backgrounds and religious backgrounds, may I say, and they were all naming the same Messiah, Jesus. Resting on his work on the cross. Must have been marvelous. More people were coming to Christ. A great number, it says. And he continued to encourage. Well, Barnabas, when he saw this situation, he said, you know what? I think I think I need to do something here. So what he does is he goes off to look for Saul. Now that's another story. Saul of Tarsus who becomes Paul the apostle. And there's a whole other story there where of course Saul, he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. If you remember that story. Well after that had happened, he was away in Tarsus. And from what we can understand... God was actually speaking to him in a very special way. Some people said he went to a Bible school and there was only one student. Uh, That was him. And he was there. God was teaching him. God was building up his life. And Barnabas recognized this man to be helpful. So he goes and finds him. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So now we have Barnabas and Saul that are there. And notice what it says after. For a whole year, 12 months, Barnabas and Saul, they met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. They saw the need, new believers. We need to help them understand, especially since some of them have no grasp of the Old Testament and some of the promises that God had made about a coming Messiah. He has now come. He's the Savior. He's our Savior. And they had a lot to say to them as, he taught, as they taught him. And then it says that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So that's where it all started, by the way. If you call yourself a Christian... It all started in this church here. Now, while they were all gathering together, just loving the Lord together, celebrating the Lord together, being encouraged by each other, and even ministering to people in their community and introducing them to Jesus as well, I'm sure there was a lot of excitement in the church. I think God now says, I'm going to give you another challenge. The first challenge was, when you came to Antioch, crossing that cultural border to actually minister to those that were not Jews, now I'm going to give you another challenge. And so what happens is starts in verse 27. During this time, some, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Here comes Jerusalem in the picture again. One of them, Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit, that's why I think God was involved in this, right? Eh? through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And it says in brackets, this actually did happen during the reign of Claudius. Now, it takes a while for a famine to occur. And I think likely there are already evidence that a famine was happening. And these prophets said, yeah, but it's going to be severe. This is going to be severe. So what do the people do? Sorry, we're busy. They said, wow, maybe we should think about this. And it doesn't say it here, but I think the Spirit of God not only was bringing the message, he was working in the hearts of the people that were there. Because here's the response. The disciples, as each one was able... To de- decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. Many of them had a link with the people back in Judea because that's where Jerusalem is. And they said, you know what? Great things are happening here. Great needs. We've got a lot of things we need to do here. But there is a great need out there. We need to respond to that. So they did. They took an offering. And not only that, it goes on to say, this they did, sending their gift to the elders that would be in Jerusalem by Barnabas and Saul, the ones who had actually been here doing the teaching, who were giving them the message, helping them to understand what this all means, following Jesus. And they said, you know what? These are the two of the best people we have here. We'll send them. They didn't say, well, Joe, he's unemployed, you know, he's got time, we'll send him. That's quite a sacrifice, in my opinion, that the church, they said, okay, we want to send them out. So that's what happened. They sent them with the gift. So off Barnabas and Saul go to Jerusalem. That's all we hear. Then it goes into chapter 12 and 13, and it's just like a movie. The scene changes. And we see God working somewhere else in those two chapters, particularly with the Apostle Peter, who really needed to learn a lesson about crossing the cultural line. And then we come, though, when we come in terms of the story, we come to, at the end of chapter 14, And verse 25, if you're following along in the Bible, you can turn there. Because all of a sudden, Luke, who is the writer of Acts, comes back to this story. And what do we have in chapter 12, verse 25? Here's what it says. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, taking the aid to Jerusalem, I imagine they stayed on and talked a lot about what was going on in the church in Antioch. It says that they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, who's also called Mark. It's very interesting. You just mentioned that little thing. John, who is also called Mark. And they brought him back to Antioch. He was in Jerusalem. And actually, the author, the writer, Luke, he's introducing John Mark who is an interesting fellow to follow, actually, in the book of Acts. Because he actually became one of the team later on that went elsewhere to share the good news. But he actually quit because things got tough. And he went back home. But later on, because of the working of God in his life, he actually becomes a faithful worker for Jesus. To the point where God in his wisdom decided that one of the authors of the Gospels, the second Gospel we have in the Bible, was actually written by him. That's why we call it the Gospel of Mark. And Mark wrote the story of Jesus based on what he heard from Peter in Peter's preaching, at least as far as we know. But that's another story. Let's go on to chapter 13, verse 1. Because now you can imagine that the church in Antioch is still growing. Things are really, things are happening. And now Barnabas and Saul are back again. Oh, I'm sure they were delighted to have them back again. Just like we were delighted to have Pastor Rusty back after a three-month sabbatical. It's good to have him back. Get him settled in. Get that seat in his office warmed up and have him back. Another challenge God gives to this church, starting at chapter 13, verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and then they explain who they are. Barnabas, oh, there's Barnabas showing up again, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manium, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, in other words, he had been with the the big guy, he went to school with him, and Saul, their soul. And when they were worshiping together at a leader's meeting and fasting, here comes the Holy Spirit again. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And I don't know if he elaborate a lot about what that work is, but that work, would dramatically change the situation in the church. Because God was calling those two men to leave and be on a ministry that no longer had a direct impact on the church in the same way. So it says in verse 3, so after they had fasted and prayed, and I can imagine they were just saying, did we get this message right? did I hear the Holy Spirit? So they fasted and prayed to verify, indeed, is this what God wants? They were convinced, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them off. And they went on a journey that lasted for a period of time, and it actually says at the end of chapter 14, we won't go there, that they actually came back after a period of time. But In chapters 13 and 14, there's all kinds of stories about what God did in their ministry in different places, but brought them back. And they shared what God had done. And they all rejoiced together. Why? Just a small little group coming into Antioch to share the good news with other Jews somebody crossed the line and began sharing the good news with non-Jews and God blessed them. They got involved in a need outside of their own community and God blessed them. And now, they have been involved sacrificially in making an impact all around that side of the Mediterranean. Little church, that when God gave them a challenge, they took it. Believing that he was capable of accomplishing what he had called them to do. I find that so encouraging. I think of this church as some of you know, um, Karen and I were involved in this church back in the 70s. As a matter of fact, Karen came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior because two young people in this church brought her to a youth meeting. She didn't know Jesus She wasn't raised in a context where Jesus was even shared with her and living right here in this town. she came to know Jesus because of the impact of the youth group that had just started at this church. I came along later because I was asked to help work with the youth on weekends. And uh, it got into my heart. Um... And so I ministered here for a while on weekends, and then after I was finished with seminary studies, and Karen and I were married, it turned into long-term. We were here full-time. We lived here for a few years. But before I had ever known about Stonewall, God had given me an opportunity to go to France for a summer And I still remember on the side of a mountain, it's a holy place. I go back there from time to time, and I'm moved. God spoke to my heart when I was there, and he said, I want you to France. I want you to come to France. Well, I was just a farm boy. And I said, "Mm, I need more experience, and I need more training, and that's where Stonewall fit in. And God provided that for me here but I still remember after we had ministered here for a little while, Karen, she had never been to France, but we had talked about this experience that I had had in France many times before we got married. And uh, we were involved in minister here at Stonewall. I loved it. I just enjoyed the ministry very much. But Karen said, you know, maybe we better not forget the promise you made to God. That if he would give the experience and training that you needed that you'd be willing to go and I remember we went down and had a two-week consultation with a mission agency of which we eventually went and they said yes we think you are candidates to go to France we'd like you to go to France and we weren't quite ready to say yes so I remember coming back to this church, and there was a few, Al James, I'll point to you, and there was Al Hendricks and a few others that were on the board, likely Al Semler, you were part of that as well. And I remember saying, you know what, I sense God, baby, saying, it got to go. But I said, I don't know, I don't know if it's God's speaking to me or not. I realized I put a pretty heavy, heavy on those guys. You know, because are they going to say, yeah, get out of here. We'd love to see you gone. I knew they wouldn't do that. They're just too nice. And, uh, but I do remember Al Heinrich saying, you know, this may very well be of God. I don't know if he ever regretted that he said that. He says, I can't remember. He says he can't remember. But I, I remember Because that, in some ways, just gave me permission to seriously say, yeah, is God actually asking to go? So we went. Around the same time, Doug and Phyllis Trick, who are still supported by this church, they went in the opposite direction to translate the Bible. And all down through the years, this church has been involved in ministries like that. The church took a stand. They stepped out and said, we'll do it. And since that time, God has given other challenges to the church. At a period of time, I wasn't here. You were, I was away. But at, that t- at a certain time, a challenge came to the church to start supporting people who are not from Canada, but they're already workers that are working in these countries. We call them national leaders, national Christian leaders, but they need some financial support. And the church said, yes, we'll start supporting them. And today, if you look at those that we're supporting, some of them are national workers. Sundar, for example. These are people that the church has stepped out. Rarely do you have a chance to see them, but still to minister to them. And then, as time developed, we started looking at the fact that Canada, in its unique situation, is actually receiving people from around the world because there are lots of people that have been kicked out of their homes, their nations, their countries. Because of their stance or just because they happen to be in the way of warring uh, groups, the refugees, and they're coming to Canada. So we're involved now in a ministry in downtown Vancouver. We're involved in a ministry in Winnipeg that's ministering to new Canadians. We call them new Canadians. Ministering to them because they have physical needs. They have helps. They need help in adjusting to the new culture, and they need Jesus. And now we have the opportunity, within the last couple of years, to be involved in something new, to actually be involved in helping to receive people ourselves coming from other areas where they're being forced from their homes. I think God was real good to us. He gave us a couple of Ukrainian couples that we've had the privilege of welcoming into our church. It's been a really good experience. And God today is giving us an opportunity in another way. To welcome a family who are coming here and they don't know the language, they don't know the culture, they're working on the language. Uh, They know some of the language, but it's all new to them. And the opportunity we have of giving them the opportunity to live in a culture where there's freedom, freedom to live peacefully, freedom to serve Jesus, to believe in him, to express that belief as they would like. And I would like to hope that we are ready to embrace them. Now, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some silent moments where we feel uncomfortable. But it's an opportunity for us to continue the work that God is wanting to do among us. Now that's about the church. I also just want to say something about us as individuals. Because there is no church if there, is no, if there are no individuals. But as individuals, my prayer for you, as it is for me, is that every day I would be open to how God would lead me to be part of Of what he wants to accomplish around the world. He wants to bring a blessing to all the world. And a commitment that we, when we need to step out. Sacrificially, courageously, whatever it would mean that we're willing to do it. So that's my challenge to you. To follow the pattern of the believers at Antioch let's be an Antioch church to seek by the way we live and by your involvement both here in our community and out there to take up the torch that God will pass on to us and to do it courageously in faith, trusting him to continue his work. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for the example of this church, the Church of Antioch. What a wonderful example. It just looked like a a small little beginning. And yet, you used it to touch so many people that they would never even have the opportunity of even meeting Except one day around the throne, they will. And that's my prayer for our church. Lord, you have begun a good work among us. And I pray that as we step forward and enter into new areas of involvement, that you'll give us the courage. You'll give us the willingness to step out and be involved sacrificially for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for what you're accomplishing, because it means that we're part of that kingdom. If this church had never stepped out in obedience, maybe the question is, would we even have heard of Jesus? So help us to be faithful. Help us to be like the church in Antioch. And may Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, be exalted because of our sacrificial obedience. In his name I pray this. Amen.